Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. In a recent study, the Barna Research Group discovered that two-thirds of Christians have experienced doubt at some point in their walk with Christ. Do you fall under that group? I know sometimes I do. Today on Peace by Believing, John sheds some light on this topic in his message, Doubt. I want to talk to you today about being a believer instead of a doubter. Now, A believer simply is someone who trusts God no matter what happens in his or her life. A doubter, on the other hand, is someone who struggles to trust God. A doubter is someone who, for example, when the bottom falls out of life, has a hard time deciding whether they're going to trust God and move forward or whether God can be trusted. And they begin to doubt different things about God. It's interesting in the Greek language, the word picture for the word doubt, it kind of give us a visualization of this. It's a person walking down the bank to a lake, and when he gets to the lake, he sees two boats. And he's trying to decide which boat he should get into, and he just can't decide. And so he puts his left foot in one boat, and he puts his right foot in the other boat, And then he kind of pushes out from shore, and you can imagine that he would do the splits pretty quickly after doing that. But a doubter is like that. A doubter just can't decide whether or not to trust God and keep moving forward or whether God can be trusted at all. Now, the interesting thing about doubt is that believers sometimes doubt. It's not like Everybody over in this group is a believer, and everybody in this group is a doubter, and there's no commingling of the two. Sometimes you can have somebody who is a genuine, true believer. This person has been saved. They trust Jesus Christ to take them to heaven, forgive their sins. And yet, as they go through life, sometimes they have a hard time trusting God with whatever they may be going through. And so sometimes believers doubt. And that's very encouraging to me because sometimes as I go through my life, I find myself doubting. As I've told you many times, used to, I doubted my salvation. Thankfully, I don't doubt that anymore, and I don't really doubt a lot. But sometimes in life, when we go through things, we do wonder and we do question, where is God in this? Why is God allowing this into my life? Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to be studying the most well-known doubter in all the Bible, And that, of course, is a man named Thomas. He was one of the 12 disciples, and we know him as Doubting Thomas. And he is known for doubting the resurrection of Jesus Christ. On that Easter Sunday morning when the other disciples had said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord, he said, unless I can see with my eyes the nail prints in his hands, I will not believe. And so Thomas was really a doubter. But before we get into his doubts... I want to mention some of the things that you and I might be tempted to doubt or to question. That's really what doubt is. It's just a question mark, and we just wonder, can God's Word be trusted? Is is God really with me at this time? Let me mention four things that I think sometimes we're guilty of doubting. First of all, sometimes in our own lives, we doubt God's promises. We know the many of the promises from the Bible. For example, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, the Bible says that my God shall supply your every need in Christ Jesus. Now, if I were to preach a sermon today about that, 
you would say, well, that's true. God's going to meet all my needs. But sometimes we get out there in life and we have a need and it seems to be unmet. Nothing seems to be happening in that situation. And so we just naturally doubt and we wonder, is God really going to meet this particular need in my life? Another promise that I think we sometimes might doubt is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, where Jesus said to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Now again, if I were to say to you today, do you believe that God's grace is sufficient? You would all say, amen, we believe that. But sometimes when we get out there in life, we kind of put a question mark by that and we wonder and we say, is God's grace really going to get me through what it is that I'm facing in my life right now? And so sometimes we just doubt God's promises. A second thing that we often doubt is what I would just call God's providence. We doubt whether or not God is really in control. Again, if I were to preach a sermon this morning on God is in control of your life, you would sit there and nod your head. You believe that. We believe that. Sometimes out there in life, though, we doubt and we question, if God is really in control, if God is really good, why would he allow this into my life at this time? Let me give you a scripture verse to put down, and it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful verse, but I think sometime out there in the heat of the battle, we might doubt this. In Psalm 103, in verse 19, the Bible says that the Lord has established his throne in the heavens. In other words, God is in heaven, he is seated on his throne, he is very much in control. And then that verse says, and his sovereignty reigns over all. That is, God is absolutely sovereign and in control no matter what we go through in life. Now, again, we believe that in our minds, but sometimes in experience, we doubt it and we question that. Another thing we doubt besides God's promises and, and God's providence, sometimes we doubt God's plan. We go through something in life and we say, God, I just don't see how in the world this could be part of your plan for my life. I don't see, God, as I look at this situation, I don't see this fitting into what I think your plan is for my life. And sometimes we doubt that and we think, God, there's no way that you could take something as bad or painful or difficult as what this situation is and somehow work it into your plan. And yet the Scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, God said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so we have to remind ourselves. Sometimes we have to shake ourselves out of doubt. And we have to remind ourselves that no matter what we're going through is ultimately part of God's plan for our life. It's something that He has either caused to happen in our life or something that He has allowed to come into our life so that we could trust Him, so that we could grow in our faith, so that we could become more like Jesus, and so that He can ultimately fulfill His plan in our life. But sometimes we do. We doubt, uh, we doubt God's plan for our life. And then another thing that I think sometimes we doubt or, and we question, and that is God's presence. Now, we know the Scripture says that God is always with us. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, God says, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. So we believe that in our minds. We know that's true. And yet sometimes in life, maybe we're lonely. Maybe we feel isolated. Maybe we feel rejected. Maybe we feel abandoned by God or forgotten by God. And we don't feel God's presence. We don't sense God's presence. And so we just begin to wonder. We wouldn't verbalize it. But in our minds, when we think about the presence of God, 
God is with us every moment of every day. In our minds, we have a little question mark by that, and we say, I'm just not sure if God is really with me at a time like this. And so it's easy for us as we're walking down the bank of life, looking out there at that lake, and we see these two boats, sometimes we're guilty of putting one foot in both boats, one foot in the boat that says, I believe God no matter what I'm facing, and another foot over here that says, I'm not sure, man, with what's going on in my life, I'm not not sure that I can really trust God's word or God's ways or that God is with me at this time. Now, having said that, open your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John. I want us to look more carefully at Doubting Thomas. And here's the man on the day of the resurrection when, of all people, he should have believed that Jesus had kept his promise, risen from the dead, and so on. He is looking at that situation. He's got one foot in the boat of belief and another foot in the boat of doubt, and he's saying, I'm just not sure if Jesus is really alive. Now, the thing about doubt is we always look at it from a negative perspective, and it, and it pretty much is negative. In fact, I would say that there's nothing good that happens when we are in the mode or in the boat of doubt. And uh, so we don't want to be doubters. God is always trying to lead us out of doubt and into faith, into belief. Having said that, sometimes the people who struggle with doubt, and so if you're a doubter today, maybe you're doubting something in your life. Where is God in this? And it would be easy for you to hear this sermon and to feel guilty or condemned and say, I know I shouldn't doubt. And that's true. But I want to say to you today who are doubters that Sometimes doubters have a desire in their heart to know something for sure so strongly that it just makes them more prone to doubt. And so while doubting is bad and we need to get out of that mode, doubters many times are just seekers and they're trying to know the truth. As I think about the life of Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas, I want to just mention some positive things uh, about his life and I think it applies to many doubters. First of all, oftentimes doubters are very passionate people. In other words, we tend to only doubt those things that we're passionate about and that we really care about. And if you, you know, if a person, for example, is not all that serious about God and they just kind of, you know, don't give it much thought, well, that, a person like that's not going to ever struggle with doubt because they don't even give it the mental thought that would lead to doubt. Now, go to John chapter 11. I want to show you some of Thomas's passion before we get into his doubts. In John chapter 11 and in verse number 7, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. So Jesus was in one particular location. He said, let's go to Judea. That's where Jerusalem is. And in verse 8, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? In other words, they were saying, Jesus, the last time we were in Judea, they tried to kill you. And so you're wanting us to go back to that place well, look down in verse number 16. Thomas spoke up, and Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And so we think about Thomas being a doubter, so that must mean he has no courage. 
He has no passion. He's weak. No, here Thomas is saying, let's go to Judea so that we can die with Jesus. He's a very passionate man. Now turn over to chapter number 14. We see that not only are doubters often passionate about whatever it is they're doubting, but doubters are often very spiritually minded. Again, There's something about doubting that tends to be more associated with a spiritually-minded person than than you might expect. In John chapter 14, beginning in verse number 1, Jesus is talking about heaven, and he's going to heaven, and he's preparing a place for us in heaven. And in verse number 3, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go you know, and the way you know. And so the other disciples are just listening to that, and they're thinking, okay, Jesus is going to heaven, and he's telling us we know how to get there. But Thomas, a very spiritually-minded man, in verse 5, look what it says. It was Thomas who said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? It was doubting Thomas who asked that question. And in verse 6, Jesus gave the great answer where he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Thomas was not only a passionate person, Thomas was very spiritually minded. And when Jesus said, where I go, you know, and the way you know, Thomas is listening to that. And Thomas is saying, Lord, I'm not so sure I do know where you're going. And more importantly, I'm not sure I know how to get there. And so I need you to make it clearer to me how I can get to heaven where you are so we can be together forever. See, only a spiritually-minded person would have asked a question like that. And Jesus clearly answered his question by saying, I'm the way to heaven. If you want to go to heaven, you just trust me, and I'll get you there. Something else about doubters that I find interesting, not only are they often passionate and spiritually-minded, but doubters most, most of the time are very honest in their doubts. In other words, if you're talking to somebody who's doubting, maybe they're doubting their salvation, or maybe they're doubting whether or not God's in control of their life, or maybe they're doubting God's plan and God's will and what, how some situation's going to work out. They're just doubting, and they're questioning. More often than not, doubters are very honest about their doubts, whereas people who never doubt, I think sometimes they just don't let their mind go where it would just naturally go, and they just don't think as much about it. But doubters tend to be very honest. Now, let's look at Thomas's story in chapter number 20, and I want to begin in verse 19 because we've been working our way through the Gospel of John. We've come to the resurrection. Last week, we studied about Mary Magdalene, the first person Jesus appeared to on Easter Sunday, that first Easter He dealt with her sadness, and now in verse 19, we pick up, this is Easter Sunday night. This is the night of the resurrection. It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. So put your mind in the mind of the disciples. Try to get into their minds, as it were. They're thinking they have killed our leader. And if they've killed Jesus, they probably have something similar planned for us. And so they're in a room behind locked doors, scared for their life. Jesus walks through the closed door. He says, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. 
As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, look down to verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve. By the way, we never read the name of Thomas's twin brother. I find it very interesting, and I, I've always kind of thought, well, you know, I'm glad his brother's not named because I sometimes feel like Thomas's twin brother. I feel like sometimes when I ought to be believing more, I feel like I struggle a little bit with that doubt and questioning. So we don't know who his brother was. Maybe it's you. Maybe you feel like that. But it says, now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side. Now watch this. I will not believe. Belief ultimately is a decision. It is a choice that we make. And here Thomas has made a decision that he will not believe unless he can see with his eyes the nails in Jesus' hands. As I was preparing this message, I came across a quote from a New Testament scholar named William Barclay. And Barclay says this, talking about Thomas's doubts and how honest he was. See, you have to give the doubter this. At least he's honest. At least he's not saying that he believes something that he doesn't believe. He's being honest. And so Barclay says this, There is more ultimate faith in the man who insists on being sure than in the man who glibly repeats things which he has never thought out and which he may not really believe. It is doubt like that which in the end arrives at certainty. And so what he's saying is, it's better to doubt if you let those doubts lead you to honest questions that would lead you to honest conclusions that would ultimately lead you to faith. It's, if you have a doubt, it's better to verbalize that doubt. It's better to, tell, better to tell God that doubt and be honest about that because God can take an honest doubter and lead him to faith as opposed to somebody who has doubts and has questions and questioning all these different things in life. But instead of just being honest with God, they just kind of play a game. They just play like they believe when really they don't believe. They're doubting too, but they're not being honest with their doubt. So what I'm saying is there's a, there is a positive side to doubt if it causes us to be honest. Now, where Thomas got a little bit off track and where his doubts got him into trouble was Thomas allowed his doubts to stifle his faith. In other words, instead of saying, I, how, okay, you, he could have said to the disciples, you have seen Jesus, where is Jesus now? I want to see Jesus. I want to pursue Jesus. I want to pursue faith. I want to come out of this doubt. Thomas let his doubt paralyze him and freeze him. And what his doubt did, think about this, his doubts, this is always what doubt does. That's why I'm saying, while there are positive things that can come out of doubt, doubt in itself is a bad thing. Thomas's doubts separated him from God's presence. Think about that. When Jesus walked through that, that, into that room on that Easter Sunday night, Thomas wasn't there to see Jesus because he had, his doubts had separated him from God's presence. Not only that, his doubts had separated him from God's people. 
He was not with the other disciples. We would say it this way. He was not in church. And there are a lot of people who are separated from God's intimate presence and from God's people because they've allowed their doubts to to paralyze them and freeze them. They're not pursuing faith. They're just stuck in their doubt. And not only that, Thomas's doubts had separated him from God's peace. Again, when Jesus walked in that room, what did he say to those disciples? He said, peace to you. He's just dishing out peace. He's giving these disciples peace, and their hearts are being filled with peace because Jesus is there. But Thomas wasn't being filled with peace. He was cut off from that. He had allowed his doubts to, to, to put him in a corner and to cut him off from God's presence, from God's people, and from God's peace. And so what I'm saying to you today, if you're doubting something in your life, you're questioning God on some matter, at least give yourself this today. You are in God's house with God's people singing songs to God, studying God's Word, and you today are in a position to move out of doubt and into faith. Whereas, those of you who are doubting something today, questioning God on some issue in your life, it would have been easy for you just to say, if God were good, He never would allow this into my life. If God cared anything about me and my family, He would, no way He would allow us to go through this. And so, if this is what it is to be a Christian... If this is all I get out of following God, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to just take a little break from this God thing. I'm going to take a little break from prayer, from reading the Bible. I'm going to take a little break from getting up on Sunday morning and going to church. And there are a lot of people who do that. But what I'm saying to you today is you haven't done that. Here you sit, doubts and all. And so you this morning are in a position to come out of doubt and into faith. You see, that's what Jesus did with Thomas, he, met his, he listened to his doubts, he heard his doubts, but tenderly, passionately, Jesus led him out of doubt, and he led him into faith. Now, let's continue to read, and let's just see how Jesus went about dealing with Thomas's doubts in verse number 26. Now, a week earlier, Thomas has said, I will not believe unless I can see the, print, the nail prints in his hands. So, here we are in verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. They're back in this same room, but watch this, and Thomas with them. And so now Thomas is at least back with the church. He's back with the believers. He's pursuing faith. And as he's pursuing faith, what happens? Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. See, he's meeting Thomas at the point of his doubt. He's saying to Thomas, okay, Thomas, if, if, if what it's going to take for you to come to faith in me is that you see the nails in my hands and the print in my side where that sword was, go ahead, look, put your hand here, put your fingers here. But notice what Jesus said at the end of verse 27. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, Thomas, I understand your doubts. I know all about you. I made you. I've been with you these three years. I know you have a heart for me. You're passionate. You're spiritually minded. You're honest in your doubt. You refuse to play like you believe something that you don't believe. 
But now, Thomas, you've been over here in this, in, this mo, in this boat of doubt long enough. And what I'm saying to you, Thomas, is I'm showing you the prints in my hands inside. It is time for you to come out of doubt and into faith. And when Thomas saw the nail prints in his hand, look at the great confession he gave in verse 28. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. What was Thomas saying? He was saying, Lord, now I'm convinced. Now I've seen the prints in your hands, and now I can see it with my eyes, and now I believe that you are the Christ, you're the Son of God, you're the Savior of the world, you're risen from the dead, now I can believe. Now, the mistake Thomas made, see, the good thing about Thomas, he insisted on being sure. The problem Thomas made was he insisted on being sure on his own terms. Now, Jesus was gracious, and Jesus met those terms, and he showed him his, the nail prints and so on. But see, being sure is a good thing. For those of you here today who are not sure that you're saved, for example, you say, well, I'm just, I doubt that. I wonder about that a lot. I, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. Well, if you're not sure that you're saved, it's better to be honest and say, I'm not sure that I'm saved than to say, well, I'm sure that I'm saved. If you're not sure that you're saved, see, that wouldn't be good. You'd be lying. So it's good to be honest. But Thomas wanted to be sure on his own terms. See, the best thing Thomas could have done on that Easter night, he could have just said, I haven't seen Jesus yet, but he told us three different times on the way to Jerusalem, he was going to be crucified, and the third day he would rise from the dead. We saw him be crucified. The tomb is empty. I believe Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. We hope that this message on doubt has been an encouragement to you. You can find this message, along with many others on the web, at www.peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for listening today. And we look forward to you joining us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redman.